Welcome to the Scale Up Show. This is Ryan. Happy to have you on today. I am interviewing Alex Reynolds. Awesome, awesome things that we discover with the intersection of AI and events and how you could have a real strategic plan in terms of 10xing your ROI for events. And so I love, love, love this strategy because this is something that I use and one of the primary go-to-market strategies I use to go from zero to 30 million in ARR. So really unique episode. We haven't gone this deep into towards an event-led growth approach. So Alex kills it on this. You won't want to miss it. Hope to see you in there and check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale-Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Alex Reynolds, who is the CEO and co-founder of Ventilux. He's done some awesome things. He was VP and GM of Platform Solutions at Shutterstock, which was awesome. On top of it, helped generate a whole partnership ecosystem of Apple, Google, Uber, Microsoft, and OpenAI. Um, at the same time, was in consulting prior to that, is now the founder and CEO of Vendelux, which some really cool things that they're doing, just catching up with him on the pre-show, is basically leveraging a way to 10x ROI on events through looking at event organizers, marketers, and attendees alike, and basically leveraging AI spun up with that to multiply the ROI. Alex, welcome. Happy to have you in the show, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. I like what you're doing over there. And I think there's some really cool things that are highly applicable to anybody that does events. And I'm a huge believer of events because I've seen amazing things happen and connect to people in unique and different ways that you never get to do via Zoom, right? So uh, what I would say is, before we get too deep into what you're doing and how you're kind of approaching this differently is, can you give us a real quick background on you through a revenue rundown? So where are you guys at in the stage of the journey in terms of your revenue? Yep. So we're at roughly 3 million in ARR at about 100 customers. Okay, awesome. And then at the same time, you know, what's your primary primary go-to-market strategy in terms of revenue growth? What are you leveraging? Um, I assume events has something to do with it. But besides that, like just walk us through what your primary motion and engine is for that. Yeah, that's our, our main engine. So we, we dog food our platform. We use the platform ourselves every day. And uh, essentially, we have SDRs, AEs that live in trade show hubs, Las Vegas, London, Amsterdam, and they're going to shows you know, every week. Uh, we sell to event marketers. And so event marketers are at these shows all the time at booths, and they're kind of at the maximum pain point, right? They're feeling the pain that we can help solve. So it's almost like a missionary model, and it works extremely well. Uh, so it's something that we've scaled up from you know a couple of reps uh, to this whole SDR program, and uh, it's been incredibly efficient for us. That's so sharp of having them stationed there, so you don't have to pay the travel, <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, like waste all the time with travel. Like, um, didn't want anybody to miss that because that's I want to underscore that because that's very very sharp. Living in the hubs like Vegas, I mean, how many freaking shows do they have a year? Like, it's got to be insane, right? So, where are your hubs? Is it New York, Vegas? Where else? Chicago? Chicago? One of them? Yeah, we have we have folks all over. So people in New York, in Boston. We we look at the data in our platform to understand where the biggest events are, and then we hire folks who are there. And you know, in some of these places, you're having two, three, four shows a week. So there's a lot of opportunity to just continue to 
to scale up and meet meet people in person. Okay, awesome, man. Love that. Um, yeah, L- lots unpacked there. So, how large is the team? Uh, total team is about thirty five, split half and half between go to market and product and engineering. Okay, and then are you bootstrapped or funded? Funded. We raised uh, our Series A in uh, September of this past year. Oh, congrats, man! Thank That's you. a big, big milestone to to get the uh, the funding. You know, and it sounds like you did awesome work. If you're at three mil already. You know, when, what year were you founded? Um, 2021. So it's been a little over two years. That's awesome, man. Yeah, really good props on that. I'm making that happen so fast. So. Give us like a quick background on you so we can have some context around like what you're doing, why you're doing it, all those kind of details. Because you have a really cool kind of origin story with this as well. Yeah, for sure. So I uh, started my career in consulting and then did about a decade in strategic partnerships. Uh, before starting Bendelux, I was at uh, Shutterstock, public tech company, ended up building almost like a startup within the public company. So. Uh, my now co-founder and I, we recognized that there was this opportunity to leverage our public APIs, our data to build a new, a new business unit. Um, so grew that to about 30 million in ARR, a team of 75 people, and events were our primary driver of, of revenue. So when they worked, they were the best thing we could do. When they didn't work, it was a huge waste of time and money. And we realized that like, hey, this wasn't just an issue that we were facing. The Shutterstock mothership was having these issues, uh, and pretty much every marketer that we talked to, we talked to hundreds of marketers and said, "You know, how are you thinking about this?" And we we heard a lot of similar similar stories, right? It's a lot of uh, you know Excel, PowerPoint, and blood, sweat, and tears. So we looked at each other and said, "Okay, there's got to be a better way." So this is 24 to 40 percent of B2B marketers' budgets, and yet they're stuck in the Stone Ages. They know 50 percent of their spend is working, they just don't know which 50 percent. Um, and so we knew that if we could build an operating system, a platform that could help companies make more data-driven decisions, that there could be huge value there to help uh, essentially drive and, and measure ROI. Yeah, that's definitely sharp. And, and that makes so much sense. Cause it like like I was telling you before, is like I've I've lived the uh, like a true story. Went to Saster what three years ago and I can't I can't tell you how many people are like sitting at their booth or like I spent 80 grand for this. And they're like, I'm not really, wasn't worth it. Didn't get much out of it. Right. And that's just, that's like a couple stories that I heard from people. And this isn't anything against Saster. Like Saster does good events, but like if you don't have the right targeting with what you're looking for, that's why that happens. Right. You could have an amazing event that's done really well. It's just not exactly what you need at that time. Right. And so would love to hear your dog fooding strategy, as you kind of put it. Right. Maybe you say champagne. You're drinking your own champagne besides just your dog fooding your, your platform, right? But like, walk us through how you execute this with the team, with the different hubs. And we'd love to just kind of unpack that because I think there's going to be a lot of brilliance that is kind of drawn out as a result of that. Because I think most people don't even know what's possible. Like, I give a draconian strategy on how to do some manual things at events where you can get like, you could squeeze a lot out of just like a $2,000 attendee, you know membership. So would love to hear just kind of like how you approach it from A to Z. And then what are some results you've experienced as a result of that? Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, the, the US team says dog food. The EMEA team is constantly saying it's drink our own champagne. So that's a, that's a, <laughs> we, we have that we have that debate internally. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, right? I think a lot of people think that, okay, if I'm going to go to an event, it means that I'm going to have a booth and 
uh, a sponsorship and I'm going to spend, you know, 50,000, 100,000, a million dollars for the booth. Uh, and then you have all these other costs on top of that. And that's almost like an inbound marketing approach, right? You are hoping you build the booth and you hope people come to you. And so there might be an amazing opportunity that is a $10 million opportunity for you. But if they don't go down the row where your booth is, if they're you know off on the other side of the expo hall, then you just aren't able to realize the value there. And so we've kind of shifted that on its head. And that's how we think about it for customers and for ourselves as well. Right? Like We built this primarily for ourselves as customer zero, as, as the first primary customer. So the way that we think about it is we start with what people are going to be at these events. Now for us, you know, almost every booth has an event marketer. So that's helpful. We, we can go across uh, different industries, but you know, a lot of, a lot of companies are selling to different verticals. You think about uh, like Okta as a customer, right? Single sign on, you can sell to, you know, almost any enterprise or even mid market company that's out there. So it's almost an overwhelming amount of events that you can go to and you have a limited, a limited budget. So for us or for customers, we start with who's going to be at these events. Is there enough of an audience that's going to be there across current customers, uh, folks that are in the pipeline today, you know, top of funnel personas that seem like an interesting fit for us. And we put that whole map together, weigh that against the cost and understand, you know, do we think this is going to be a positive ROI event for us? To your point earlier, if we're walking the floor and we don't have a booth, and we have people who are in trade show hubs, our costs are essentially the cost of a ticket. So it's pretty easy to make the math work uh, to attend an event. We'll do you know, it's called like a satellite event around the conference. So we'll have a dinner with, you know, with customers and prospects, and we're measuring the impact of, of all of those things. So for us, the model scales very quickly and you know, it allows us to essentially use our platform every day as a customer. So we are very close to the pain points. I mean, we're a series A company. So there's some things in the app that don't work as well as they're going to work in, you know, two years or five years from now. But and we have to live with that pain every single day ourselves. So it's been really helpful not only to scale up the revenue engine and, and our ARR, but also to really stay close to the the pain that our customers are feeling and and the user experience on a daily basis. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. So, and I, I think it's a brilliant strategy because, like, like you're saying, like what you're talking about, like I've been through, you know, I, when I was a VP of enterprise, we used to go to events all the time. We narrowed them down by niche and then who was actually the buyers would be at the event. And then usually there's subgroups within those events, like NRF, for example, National Retail Federation, yeah. right? Huge event. But there's like a CIO sub event that's outside of there. So we hitched our wagon to that. So we get access to, you know, $10 billion companies that you would never get a hold of any other way, right? right. So there's there's opportunities like that. So let me ask you this as, as a kind of a follow-up with that. So I love it from targeting to prioritization to just uh, nailing that. Like, what do you see in terms of customer acquisition work the best at events that in terms of like, what are the top three strategies you've seen work the best for customer acquisition at events? We'd love to hear. And that can include satellite events. That can include anything that that you've seen work uh, overall. would love to just hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, totally. So from my perspective, it's all about putting in the pre-work because if you show up to the event and you're amongst 10,000 or 100,000 people 
it's incredibly difficult to get attention from the people that you care about. Uh, the executives, you know, they're probably not walking the floor or spending time at the booth. And so, and you know, even if you have an app to be able to network, time is precious. There's only so many nights, there's only so many meeting slots that are available. So if you get to the event and you haven't done the pre-work, you've already lost. Uh, so, you know, to kind of back that up, what do you need to do? The satellite events are are incredibly uh, effective. And so, you know, having a really great activation, whether that's a, you know, rooftop happy hour or a, a nice dinner or a kind of a private speaker, some something that entices the audience that you care about to uh, show up is great. And then, you know, sort of getting those invites out early because again, a CMO, a C-level executive is just going to have tons of opportunities for different activations. So the, the sooner that you can get on the calendar, the, the better. Um, in addition to that, the, the one-to-one meetings, right? So again, if you know who's going to be at a show, if it's someone that's in your pipeline, if it's an existing customer, there's somebody at your company that is attached to that person, right? A, a sales rep or a customer success rep. So sending the right people so that you can have those one-to-one touch points in person. I mean, kind of the, the traditional roadshow is dead, right? Like we used to be able to go, I'm in New York, I would go to San Francisco. And in a matter of two days or one day, you're, you're on Facebook's campus, Google's campus, Microsoft, Apple, you know, one after the other, and everybody wants you to come. They want to show off their campus. Now people are distributed. They're, you know, working at you know, in their pajamas uh, from wherever. And so it's really hard to get that FaceTime. So being able to schedule those one-to-one meetings or the satellite events, just ensuring that you're going to have that FaceTime up front is more important than ever. And it's harder to do um, outside of events. Yes, true. Very true. So what, when you say early, like how, what's the window? Like, are you talking like a month before the event or what's the ideal time frame when you say get about, uh, invites out early for satellite events? Yeah, to me, three, two to three weeks is the sweet spot. A month out, a lot of people are just not, they're thinking about other things. They've got other things on their mind. So uh, yeah, two or three weeks and you know, run a, run a cadence. So if you don't get them in the first email, three weeks out, you have something that goes out two and a half weeks out, two weeks out and drive that FOMO, right? There's only a limited number of slots at your ultra exclusive activation. And if you're not there, then you know, you're going to regret it forever. Excellent, man. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So what are you seeing the trend in, that's happening with events now? <clears throat> like specifically, right? We, we've had a lot of different changes that's, that's kind of happened. This disrupted this space, right? We had the whole COVID aspect and now we have Zoom fatigue. Well, we've had Zoom fatigue for a while, right? So um, not Riverside fatigue, which is what we're recording on right now. No. But we've had Zoom fatigue, right? So what, what are you seeing the trends in events happening specifically that, for revenue growth and 
would love to hear your insights because like I, you mentioned you have you know over i think it was what 100 clients did i get that right or yeah, yeah roughly about 100 clients so across all that data and then all the data that you have in your platform what are the trends and patterns you're seeing for events over the next 12 months that you're seeing is going to happen and and what are opportunities to take advantage of yeah um yeah so to your point right i think during COVID, the pendulum swung all the way towards virtual events. People said, hey, if we're not going to be getting together in person, we know that events are valuable. We know we have to replace this with something. And digital seemed like the right, the right approach. And so you had investors piling into tons of online options as kind of the future of events. And th- they weren't wrong in the sense that if we couldn't meet back in person, there, there did need to be an alternative, right? You do need to have events. They are incredibly important conferences, trade shows, you know, w- w- everything from a huge event with 100,000 people, CES, all the way down to a small, you know, founder roundtable. Uh, what they got wrong, though, of course, is that despite the pandemic, we, we are coming back together. We are, you know, meeting at, at events now. They're happening and they're bigger than ever. So the pendulum swung you know, all the way back. Sometimes people ask if it's going to come back into the middle. But, you know, I think for a lot of the trends that we're seeing outside of events, uh, you know, they're really driving the, the value of events. So, so what does that mean? Uh, we talked about kind of the roadshow, typical roadshow being dead. I think there's a lot of changes coming or have, that have been happening around privacy and cookies that are making it harder to target using ads. Uh, SDR, spam, email spam is at an all-time high attention, you know, getting attention is at an all-time low. So for sort of those macro reasons, we're seeing companies pour more money into events because they're seeing the effectiveness of other channels decrease and they're looking for, you know, a replacement, right? Everybody has to grow. Some companies got a pass in 2023 given the climate, but now everybody's focused on how do we grow in 2024. With all of that said, though, companies are looking to be more efficient. So a lot of our customers are saying, you know, hey, our budget has doubled or our budget has gone up by 50% for events based on what we were able to do last year. But now leadership is even more, uh, you know, kind of has more of an eye on what we're doing. And so, um, you know, what we're hearing is that people need to do more with less. They need to do maybe fewer shows, lower sponsorship levels, but be able to show more of effectiveness, better cost per lead. And so helping a lot of our focus has been helping companies make sure that they're focusing on the events that are going to be those you know, massive wins and then eliminating any spend on events that aren't going to be great uh, because you can just save so much money and then reallocate that towards the, the winners. Yeah, and then just double down on the winners. Okay, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot of appetite towards that. People expecting more outcomes from the events, right? So, cleaner ran. Um, so, outside the targeting and the pre work, anything else you recommend to make that result uh, more likely to happen? Uh, other than using Vendelex? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no. I mean, I, I think it's it's a it's essentially a forty month end to end process from the initial planning that you're doing. So for let's say 2024, most companies will start to do planning in you know Q3, Q4 for the year. Then you have a year of events where you have the pre-work that we talked about. There's kind of the on the ground hand-to-hand combat because you do the pre-work, but if uh, all your reps are sitting around 
in Vegas, you know, uh, drinking, then, uh, you know, you're not, you're not really going to see the, the, the impact. And then there's that post event follow up, right? You know, it's great to have a conversation in person, but if you don't actually capitalize on that, if you don't keep the momentum high, then you had a great conversation and that's it. Um, and then, you know, so you do a year of events, 2024, it takes on average six to 18 months after the show is done to see the true ROI from the event. So it's common that you go to an event, spend a million dollars all in. And, you know, your first question from your CFO when you get back is, how did you do? And nobody knows. You, you have no idea. Yes, you know how many badge scans you did. You know how many like souls came to your booth. But if you gave away a Tesla car, like everybody at the show is going to come to your booth. And we, we've, we've heard of customers that are, or, or companies that have done this. And so, you know, it's not really indicative of, of the value. So it's really executing on that entire 40 month end to end, the planning, the, you know, the pre-event, during event, post event, and then that ROI measurement uh, to, to really be able to understand what the impact was so you can make smarter decisions for the next 40 month cycle. Yeah. And I assume like, with uh, the people that are most interested in your platform, are they higher ACV or higher dollar value uh, organizations, more like enterprise groups? Yeah, so we, we mostly focus on mid market, and we're starting to move into enterprise as well. Uh, I'd say you know ACV anywhere above, call it like fifteen twenty k, is a good a good sweet spot for us because you know in order for the math to work from an event perspective, you. You know, if you're if you're kind of doing a PLG motion, right? Then it just doesn't make sense to have sellers at, right. at these events. Um, but it is interesting to see the different dynamics. Like we work with a company that I can't name. That's they're almost uh, like sci-fi based on what they do. But you know, they they one deal for them is sixty million dollars, and they're trying to meet kind of like ambassadors of countries yeah. and and. Uh, folks that are not easy to to get to. So, you know, if we help them sell one more deal in the whole year, then we're covering the the ROI on Vendelux is is you know pretty significant. So it's interesting to see the different dynamics. Uh, you know, we work with some like private equity companies or hedge funds, where again, a deal for them is buying a company that could potentially be uh, you know massive massive returns. So interesting to see the behavior there versus you know somebody that's selling fifteen twenty k SaaS. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. That's a that's a wide range, man. Yeah, fifteen to twenty k to sixty million. Yeah, it's, it's a good good a good range. So, what would you say? Like, I, I think one of the most impressive things that you've done organizationally is to grow three x right in a down market last year, and you know how fast you've grown from zero to three right since two little over two years. So, how do you create a product that does that? That's anti fragile through an environment like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to me to create something that's going to be like recession proof, let's say you want to do one of three things. You want to help a company reduce costs, reduce risk or increase revenue. And we're doing all three of those things with, with the platform. So, you know, because companies are not, they can know ahead of time whether an event is going to be successful or not, they can, you know, reduce costs on bad events. Uh, They can reduce the risk, right? So even if you, if you don't know, then you're kind of on this annual cycle hoping that this event is going to be great. Of course, a sales rep is telling you that this event is going to be great. We have to be there, uh, but you won't, you won't know. And so 
it's it's you as an event marketer, it's your neck on the line. If you you can do everything right, but if you don't see the results, then you know you're you're the one that's getting punished. So by reducing that risk, being able to point to the data and say, no, actually this was a great show for us. Here were all these stakeholders that were you know were were going to be there or were there, and so we should have been able to capitalize on this. Is something that's really effective and helpful. And then of course increasing revenue by meeting the uh, you know the customers, the prospects that. That you know are going to be there. So you know we we have customers that are cutting their cost per lead by fifty uh, percent, increasing you know the revenue from the channel by a hundred, one hundred and fifty percent, and then that's leading to you know doubling and tripling their event budgets for for the next year. So you know you need that right. You need to be able to provide that value so that when budget cuts are happening, you can point to the results and say no, actually the money we're spending here is driving tangible value that that we can point to um, and that in combination with a repeatable sales motion that we talked about earlier uh, for us it's events it doesn't need to be for everybody but just knowing that you can scale something up uh, it will allow you to take that product that is that is great and re- you know recession proof and then bring it to everybody that that needs it yeah no i think that's that's a good i love the simplicity you only hit three areas, reduce cost and risk, and then increase revenue, right? Like the um, the risk is is huge too, especially with how fast things are changing right now. So what about like, and let me ask you this, like how do you leverage AI within your product and how do you leverage AI within your team? Yeah, so I think there's two types of AI companies. There's AI companies that are doing AI for the sake of AI. Where you know they're hopping on a trend, maybe they were doing something in Web three before, and they they've moved over. And I mean, I think there's a lot of hype there, but the approach is not. I, I, you know, I don't think that's the right way to approach it, or at least that's not how we've approached it. The other side of it is saying, hey, we're solving a, a customer pain point, something that's a burning pain for somebody, and we are going to use AI or machine learning where it's applicable, where it can help us. And so there are, and so that's us. Um, I'm biased. I think that's the right approach. But essentially, like you know, we're we're trying to help marketers make more data driven decisions around events in order to help them reduce costs, reduce risk, increase revenue. And so there are solutions uh, where it makes sense for us to use AI. There's also there's also areas of the platform where we could use AI, but it's actually more cost effective and more scalable for us to take a more manual approach or uh, a non AI approach. I think it's you know slowly shifting more and more to AI. But um, one specific example for AI is we are, you know, w- one way that we think about whether an event is good for you or not is you know are, are the are the people the companies uh, you know that you care about going to be there, and there are people that you know about, right? I know that you, Ryan, are in my CRM, but there's also all these personas. Uh, you know, I know that I sell to CMOs at supply chain companies between 100 and 1,000 employees. And so because we're getting all this data from different sources, uh, we have a lot of different variations on titles. So you know, CMO can be chief marketing officer, can be chief marketing officer and co-founder. Uh, maybe SVP mm-hmm. of marketing is also relevant. So we're using vector databases to, to analyze the titles that a customer will care about compare that and have a, a similarity score and you know propose other titles that will allow us to create a much more rich 
uh, kind of target set without a customer needing to input every specific title or creating some kind of robust taxonomy that is out of date, you know, the moment you add additional data on top. That makes a lot of sense. And I can see where that would get messy. And I know what you're talking about with the list of, of, of how those are kind of structured for events. So um, how about internally with your people? Like, have you systemized implementation of integrating AI into, to specific workflows within the company, within like work and jobs to be done? Um, a little bit. I mean, I would say that folks are folks are using that, especially on the data side of things as we're processing internally and thinking about, you know, it's 180,000 events, it's thousands of uh, attendees, you know, millions of people, millions of, of companies. So processing that information uh, and, you know, kind of analyzing it is, uh, is something that we are leveraging uh, AI internally for. Okay. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not like every single person at the company has a, uh, you know, a chat GPT license and we're driving stuff through that. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, really love the, uh, like you said, love the approach. Definitely well needed. It makes so much sense. And maybe, it, maybe it just hit me because I've been through the manual side of everything that you're talking about. Uh, so, um, we are up on time though. So where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Vendelux? And then we'll wrap things up, man. Um, post pretty consistently on LinkedIn, so we can share that link. Uh, also, uh, active somewhat on on Twitter and have a blog. So, uh, plenty of different spots. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for being on the show, Alex. It was a lot of fun, and uh, appreciate your practical approach in terms of solving a a unique but valuable problem. So, thanks for being on, man. Thanks for having me. This was fun. All right, and thank you for joining us today. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.